to dial a drummer. Dial a Drummer is brought to you by Session Ace. Whether you're looking for high quality in ear monitors, high resolution studio microphones, or any other sort of thing that you need day to day as a musician, either in the studio or on stage, Session Ace provides remarkable tools for musical craftsmen. Find out more at SessionAce.com. Let's get into the show. It is so good to be back with you, friend. It's been a couple of months since the last one, and and the renovation on the Dollar Drummer podcast is obviously mostly complete. I hope you enjoy the, the new theme music. I want to thank my buddy Tom Knight for lending his voice to the Welcome to Dollar Drummer uh, part of our new theme music our new opener and um we're going to talk about all that stuff it's just really good to be back with you and to get in a regular rotation a regular rhythm for the new dial a drummer podcast the, the theme music is just the beginning of all the great things that we're going to do together here on dial a drummer so yeah, let's talk about what's new. Uh, this format is kind of new. We're only going to be doing audio for a while. Uh, it's uh, really difficult with COVID to have people come over to the studio and record in person. Uh, it's a lot easier to do what we're doing right now with uh, audio guests and uh, with all the high-resolution connections that we've got here, high-speed connections at the studio. Having people come in via high-quality audio is a lot, a lot easier. Um, you know, COVID has presented a lot of interesting uh, decisions and a lot of choices and a lot of um, we've had to really morph how we do things both uh, for the studio and even live you know what's been going on the last few months let's talk about that because that plays into the live music thing what's been going on with me other than just uh, being here and, and working on this new version of Dial a Drummer. Well, I got a brand new gig that is going to be the primary gig that I'm playing going into 2021. As I said earlier, uh, I really made a conscious effort about uh, summertime that I was going to put my majority of my focus on playing drums for 2021. I'm not going to stop doing any of the other stuff I'm doing, whether it's producing artists or engineering uh, projects in the studio or recording concerts on location, any any of those other gigs that I do that's a part of my entire career. Um, I'm not going to stop doing those, but I'm really putting my focus primarily on playing live and playing with other people and having one gig that I do, you know, 70% of the time when I'm playing live. And that gig is called Elton Live, the ultimate tribute. And it really is the ultimate tribute to Elton John. Uh, we're doing a whole, right now I think there's 35 tunes I've had to learn so far. Eventually it'll be more like about 50 tunes. And we'll have several different iterations of the show that we play, depending on where you see us and what night you see us. If we're doing multiple nights in one one city and one theater, we'll change the show a little bit every single night with different song selections. And over the next six months, we're 
sort of rebranding the band, putting new marketing materials together, and putting an entirely new show together with new band members. So the band's getting a, a pretty significant upgrade in, in many of the chairs there in the band. And over the next six months, we're going to be putting together a different iterations of a show that's more of a Vegas-style theater show. Something that you would see, like if you... Back in the day, if you would have gone to see Elton live in Vegas um, or any time on the road in the last 20 years, that's the kind of show that we're putting together. Uh, we're really being cognizant of playing those tunes in a way that very closely matches that presentation, what what it sounded like sonically, what it looks like visually. I'm even doing the thing where I've gone in, oh, I should have turned the ringer off on my phone before I started recording <laughs> so that I don't get uh, messages while I'm recording this. Anyway, uh, so what I've done as the drummer is not just sort of know the tunes and play my version of the drum parts for these songs. I've gone in and I've looked at the last almost 50 years of Elton John's music and specifically what Nigel Olson has done. Uh, Nigel played on a lot of the albums in the 70s, but not everything in the 70s was Nigel. Going forward, a lot of uh, the recorded stuff has been Nigel. Uh, and then live over the last you know, 40 or so years, uh, most of what you've seen live has been Nigel Olson. So I, I've really began studying what he did in the studio and then what he did live and not just what he did live in the 70s or the 80s, but even the last 15 or 20 years. How has Nigel changed those drum parts to fit the kind of show that they're doing now? So uh, with the drum parts that I'm playing, they're really, really close to what you would have seen or heard Nigel do. As we get into developing the show more, we may do more of a period piece where we do something that's more like the 70s. So you'll hear me shift into a mode that's closer to what Nigel played uh, or any of the other drummers that played on some of those albums in the 70s, what those drummers played on those albums. But most of it is really centered around Nigel. The configuration I'm taking out right now almost directly mirrors the same sizes that Nigel uses in his kit. Uh, right now I'm only doing the single bass drum, the 22 by 18 single bass drum, but I'm looking for a second bass drum. I'm, I'm taking my Gretsch new classic kit out in uh, the vintage gold, what do they call it? It's um, vintage glass sparkle. It's kind of a gold sparkle that's actual uh, ground up glass in a wrap. And uh, that's the kit I'm using. So right now I've got one 22-inch by 18-inch uh, kick drum. Eventually, when I find another, we're going to do the full double kicks for this. Uh, 8, 10, and 12-inch rack toms, 14 and 16-inch floor toms, 6.5 by 14 snare drum. And then for cymbals, I'm doing as close as what I've got right now to the kind of cymbal setup that Nigel's using. Right now I'm using mostly Peisty Formula 602 Modern Essential Cymbal, so I've got a 22-inch ride cymbal. I've got a 19 and 20-inch crash that I'm using and 15-inch hats. Uh, I'm talking with Peisty now about actually making me a 24-inch ride 
2002 series with rivets in it exactly like what Nigel uses. And once that's ready, and uh, sometime in January, you'll probably see me roll that out as the main ride symbol that I use. And uh, of course, the symbols are up high. I've got them as high as I can comfortably play them right now, but they'll probably go a little higher up as we get through more of the production rehearsals. And, and I'm wearing the gloves. I'm wearing the, the, you know, the white gloves. And, and I'm getting into details. Uh, so I didn't realize until I started reading, Nigel Olson has a foot joy endorsement deal. And so I'm actually wearing foot joy, really thin leather golf gloves and uh, doing the headphones and the whole, the whole thing, man. It is not just an Elton John tribute band. My part of this, what I bring to the table is a tribute to Nigel Olson as I'm on stage and playing. And if anybody knows where I can find another 22-inch kick drum uh, that's Gretsch New Classic and Vintage Glass that ain't going to cost me a thousand bucks, let me know. There's a story about how I came across that particular kick drum uh, because it's not the kick that originally came with that kit. Originally, it was a 20-inch kick drum. And uh, I found that I'll tell you the story later. It's it, it's it's a it's kind of a cool story, but I didn't pay a whole lot for that kick drum. Uh, anyway, so uh, the uh, the Elton Band is going to be my primary gig right now. We got about um, twelve or thirteen gigs between now and June, but especially once COVID hits, uh, that's going to blow wide open. We're we're shooting for a hundred to one hundred and fifty dates a year, so I'll probably be coming to a town near you really really soon. And I would love to see you at the shows. I would love to meet you. Would love Love to talk drums with you and uh, and do that sort of thing. So uh, that's what's going on in the gig gig front. When I'm in town and available, I'm still you know playing some gigs here and there. I'm real choosy about that. But then of course I'm recording all the time in the studio, just about every single day. So hopefully that catches you up to that. Let's uh, let's talk about the new format real quickly for Dial a Drummer. We alluded to it at the front end. For now, uh, just for speed. And consistency, that's one of my themes for 2021 is consistency. I'd like to be able to put out an episode for you every single week. But to be able to do that with all the other things that are on my plate until I hire a part-time video editor, uh, we're moving to just audio-only episodes. Uh, if they go up on YouTube, they'll probably have an image, but it'll still just just be the audio. We may put those up there just to keep the channel running until we can get back to a mode where we're doing video again. And uh, the way that I'm interviewing guys now, we're using a dedicated connection so that we can get a high quality audio connection. In moving to this audio only format, I wanted it to feel like a conversation in the room with whoever I'm talking to. And uh, with this week's guest, he's a really good friend. And so uh, since we couldn't be in the same room at the same time, I wanted to be able to at least make it feel like it was a conversation in the same room. And part of that is the sound quality. Uh, you know, some other podcasts use Skype or Zoom or some of those things to record their audio. And it still, to me, it feels like a phone call. Even though this is dial a drummer, I want it to feel like a conversation. You know, I'm diamond up uh, a, a drummer and he's on the other end of the line, but I want it to sound like and feel like a conversation in the room, like two people talking. And hopefully that's what you'll get uh, today. And going forward, we'll, we're going to do this. I do have one more 
episode that I will be putting out that's on video. It's the last one that we filmed with my buddy Quentin Robinson. It's just, it's two, actually two episodes. And the amount of video editing and the, the post-production work has been so, uh, so much that it's just, uh, it's, it's been a gargantuan project just to get those two episodes done. Those will be out after the first of the year. I hate that they've taken so long. Sorry about that, Q, if you're listening. But uh, they really are great. They're all about uh, how we all use Ableton or other tools to play with click tracks and play with tracks live. And I will give you some real world hands-on examples of how we do that. So that's coming up. Uh, that'll be in January. I should have that stuff ready. As, as soon as I'm done um, learning all these tunes for the Elton gig, get back on that. But let's talk about this week's episode. And it's also taking us into the new era of how I want to do dial a drummer and the, the real feel that we're trying to do with dial a drummer here is i'm not going to go into the backstory of some of these drummers especially if you know them there are plenty of other podcasts that have done that i really want this to be um, topic centered and purposeful so if i'm talking to a particular drummer going forward there's at least one really good reason why i want to talk to that particular drummer and uh, it may be technology-related, it may be gig-related, it may be teaching. There's at least one or two very specific subjects that I want to speak to that particular drummer about. And, uh, and that really is the tenor of the show going forward, is to have a conversation among peers about something that is of interest to us, something that we're currently dealing with or, or, or working with in our lives, in our gigs, in our sessions, in the stuff that we're doing or the stuff that we're learning or the stuff that we're teaching, and, uh, and really just drilling down into something very specific that would be useful for you as well, no matter what kind of gig you're doing, uh, or if you're just a weekend warrior, maybe you're just sitting at home and you're just playing by yourself. Uh, these things will still be valuable to you. Anyway, that that's kind of the feel and the tenor. Uh, I'll tell you about my friend Zach Albetta before we get started, though. Zach's been a professional drummer for just about 20 years, and over the course of that time, he's built his reputation as a versatile and tasteful craftsman behind the drums. He's been here in Atlanta since 2016. Uh, before that, he had stints in Kansas City and in Los Angeles. Here in Atlanta, though, he maintains a pretty busy schedule working with different acts like Ruby Vell and the Soulphonics, Delta Moon, the Emerald Empire Band, and the ATL Collective Band. Uh, if you're a fan of podcasts, not just this one, but a fan of podcasts in general and drum podcasts, you'll also know Zach as the co-host for the Working Drummer Podcast. Fabulous, fabulous podcast that you can find at workingdrummer.net, I believe. But he's he's also a writer and he's written for percussion. Notes, onlinedrummer.com, uh, drummersresource.com, and uh, some of the newer bio material that I've sent out in my own marketing package. Zach has been the writer for that stuff. He's an amazing writer. And um, he's also an artist endorser for Sakai Drums, Sabian Cymbals, Aquarian Drumheads, and Vader Drumsticks. Uh, Zach, not only has he been a friend the last 
four years, I guess. Uh, he's also been the drummer on gigs where I've been the front of house engineer. Uh, the church gig I had before I took this new one I just told you about. Zach is the drummer on that at Roswell UMC. And uh, for the last two years, two and a half, he's been uh, the main drummer on that gig. And it's it's been great working with Zach. Uh, on the other side of the room, running right front of house and having to mix drums for him, mix the band, and uh, and really see to their needs. Uh, Zach's a great guy, and the way that we're doing this is interesting because I actually did this interview with Zach about six months ago. It was uh, at the the tail end of April, beginning of May, I believe, maybe getting into June. We have been on COVID lockdown for almost a month at that point. And so a lot of this conversation centers around how the world has changed uh, since COVID began. And so you're going to hear uh, all the stuff that Zach uh, was was doing at the beginning of this COVID period of our lives. You're going to hear how his teaching has changed, uh, how his gig life has changed, some of the things that he's been working on and focusing on during this downtime, and and all those sort of things. In, in this conversation, it, it was really, really uh, great to be able to talk with uh, a fellow drummer who uh, is going through the exact same kinds of things that I was going through. Now, what we're going to do next week, though, in the next episode, is we're going to flash forward to current day, and uh, Zach and I are going to talk. It's a six-month-later update to, uh, to see what all has gone on since the interview you're about to hear. So it's going to be an interesting before and after to see how things developed from the point of this conversation until uh, part two, which you will get next week. So uh, I hope you enjoy this interview. Well, it really is more of a conversation with my friend Zach Albetta, and I'll see you on the other side. So Zach, um, how's life? Uh, life is okay. Um, I, I think that's the <laughs> that's the position most people are in. Out of the friends and family I have, you know, obviously none of them are like everything's great. Um, but uh, not too many people that I've talked to have been like, it's terrible. Right. <laughs> you know, everybody's right. just kind of going through this in a in a weird daze. Um, and uh yeah i mean we're 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 doing okay all things considered okay not bad still married um <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um well, it's not, not like, like she could go anywhere anyway right? right right i mean she was she was working from home most of the time before this um yeah so uh so we're used to that um i saw a funny thing on it, somebody on twitter i don't remember who it was but he was like uh, my my wife and I are playing a cool new quarantine game. It's called "Why Are You Doing It That Way?" and there are no winners. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but things yeah things are okay. Um, you know obviously the 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 gigs have gone up in smoke. Um, but so still- let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about life before all of this. Right. What did your typical week look like? Uh, my typical week was um, dominated by three things. Uh, the first was uh, teaching. Mm-hmm. 
the second was, uh, you know, Emerald Empire or that kind of a corporate gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third was Ruby Vell and the Sulfonics. Um, and that, that was pretty much my rotation for 2019. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the teaching part of that. Yeah. Normally in a given week, how much of that, of, of that week would be taken up with teaching and what did that schedule look like? It was, it was more of the week than, than I wanted it to be. Um, but that turned out to be, um, a blessing in disguise, which, which we'll get to. Um, so I had at the peak, I had about 30 students. Um, and most of them were Monday through Wednesday. Um, so, you know, kind of the, the afternoon and evening, Mm -hmm. uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday were just, you know, pretty much dominated by teaching. Um, that was, and still is, uh, through Guitar Shed in Kirkwood, which is a great local spot. It's kind of a local school of rock, independent music type place. Um, and, uh, you know, students of, of all ages, all backgrounds, all levels, and uh, I also had uh, a couple students just at my house on on Thursdays. Um, so it, I, you know, for a long time, for about a year or more, I was in this kind of weekly schedule of you know teach Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, a little bit Thursday, you know, gig Thursday, Friday, Saturday, church gig Sunday, um, and and do it all over. So with your teaching, did you? Did you transition into doing the Zoom thing, the online video thing, or have you just not gone that route? Oh, we've definitely gone that route. And and uh, Parker Smith, the owner of Guitar Shed and, and the rest of the staff there, have been super helpful and super proactive in getting the students and the teachers uh, transferred over to online lessons. Right. Um, I'm on. I'm doing them on, on Skype rather than Zoom. Um is there a reason why you prefer that one? Yeah, um, Zoom just uh, presented some audio issues when it came to the drums. Right. Um, there's like there's some automatic there's there's something built into their software where it like mutes background noise or loud yeah. noise, mm-hmm. um, and there's a way to work around it. But I I just like ran out of patience. I was like, screw this. I'm emailing <laughs> all my students. Tell them just if you don't have Skype, get Skype. We're doing yeah. Skype. So, uh, so yeah, Parker, uh, really got <laughs> literally hundreds of students, uh, and, and dozens of teachers, um, you know, transferred over and we, you know, guitar shed and, and each individual teacher did lose a few students, but, mm-hmm. uh, the majority of them stayed and are, are still going. So I'm, uh, I'm super grateful for that. And you had already started putting together a setup where you could mic your drums and stuff at your house, right? Yes. Um, and, and this whole situation really kicked that in the ass. Um, I, uh, about a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago, I got, uh, this, this room here at my house outfitted with some custom designed, custom built, uh, panels and a, and a cloud diffuser, uh, courtesy of Tony Terrebonne, yep. um, who is, a, an Atlanta, audio wizard, not just Atlanta. He works in Nashville and LA and, and everywhere, but he's a good friend of ours. Him, him and his girlfriend Ansley is a wonderful singer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Tony, uh, Tony really helped me get this room sounding good, but it wasn't until just a couple of months ago that I actually got some mics in here and plugged them in and, <laughs> and started making noise. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's been, uh, you know, both, both for 
teaching purposes and also just, you know, beginning the process of, you know, learning what my process is going to be in this room to, to track and record drums. Right. Um, so it's been a great time to do that. I have more time to explore that stuff, obviously not a whole lot more money <laughs> to, fill, <laughs> to fill it up with gear. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm starting with what I got and learning about that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been an encouraging start as far as the, the sounds that, uh, that are coming out of here. So are you using that setup in your Skype lessons or are you doing something else for the sound? Yeah, I have a, I just have a little, uh, Behringer mixer, um, with a few drum mics and, and it's a, it's a USB, uh, interface mixer. So I send it directly into Skype. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's how it goes. Okay. And then for video, what are you doing there? Just my, my built-in iMac, uh, camera. Gotcha. So when it comes to the challenges of that, other than the Zoom problem, which I've, I've had that same problem too, and I've started trying to walk people through, and not just with the lessons, but even some of the interview stuff, video interviews I'm doing, I have to sort of walk people through how to help me get better stuff from them. Um, what have been the challenges from the student end as far as them using the technology? Well, the main, the main challenge is, uh, their Wi-Fi connection <laughs> because, uh, a lot of the students have their drums, you know, in the basement or in the attic. One of my students actually has the drums in a shed outside. It's like oh, not wow. climate control. It's like, you know, some detached garage. Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, the Wi-Fi connection has been the main challenge and just, you know, having really choppy audio and video from their end. Um, the, the guitar shed f staff has a, like a virtual meeting every Monday. And a lot of the teachers like guitar teachers and piano teachers and so forth are talking about how, uh, a lot of their students have like been more dialed in, in the lessons online than they were in person. Really? Yeah. That was my reaction. I'm like, who, what students are these? I'm not experiencing that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, because you know the students, the students who were hard to wrangle before are kind of even even more so now. Even more so. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's been a it's been a learning process for me too about how to impart information because um, I would you know in in the in person lessons I had each student bring their own notebook. They just had like a little spiral notebook, and that was yeah. our journal every every week. I would write out notations and write them notes and give them assignments in there and. Like I was handwriting a lot of stuff just because right. that was the quickest, easiest way to sort of like get it across. Mm -hmm. um, I can't do that anymore. Right. Um, so we're using like the, the, the chat window in Skype to, to make notes. I'm typing out like one E and, uh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, archaic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm relying more heavily now on, on, you know, PDFs and printed material, which I should have been before. It's made me realize like some of the, some of the, you know, backward ways that I was doing things before, because there's, you know, there's PDFs of everything available online, no matter what song you're doing. Um, you know, there's just tons and tons of printed notated material available online. So I can just send students a PDF in the chat window and they can open it right there. And now, do you use many method books when you're teaching, or is it just your own extemporaneous stuff? Um, it's kind of both. I, the The main method book I use is the the Mini Monster Book of Rock Drumming by mm -hmm. Joel Rothman. Yep. Um, which just you know is a good overview of a lot of 
you know, rock beats and, and rock styles, which is what most students are, are working on. Right. Um, if there's, uh, you know, something a little more eclectic, I'll, uh, handwrite something or, you know, use, use YouTube, use video supplements. It's kind of, it, it really varies from student to student. Some of them, I just, you know, I'm just feeding them PDFs all the time with others. They're not visual learners. Like I really have to talk them through stuff and, and demonstrate and, and whatever. So, uh, you know, and, and it's been slow going, like Skype has really slowed down the process. I think for, for all the teachers and students, like everybody's still making process or progress, but you know, just the, the rate of progress, the, the rate at which we can impart information and the, um, you know, the quickness with which students can kind of absorb it and take it on their own and practice it is just slower. Has your teaching style changed in terms of how you get the idea across? Yeah. At Guitar Shed, we have two drum sets in the room. So mm-hmm. like I can be on one, the kid can be on one or the adult, whoever it is. So, you know, I obviously have my drum set here. They have their drum set at their place, but we can't play together because right. of the delay. Um, it's hard, you know, at, in person, we would both put on headphones and we would both play along to the song. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very interactive and very partnered in that way. Um, and, on Skype, it's, it's gotta be like, okay, I explained something and then you try it, or I send you a PDF and we talk about how to read it and you try it, or I demonstrate something and you try it. Like they're yeah. much more on their own. Um, which I think is probably a good thing. Like I'm not, I'm not as quick to jump in and demonstrate something. I'm not as quick to start talking in the middle of like, you know, if they try something and it's not quite right in person, I would be like, okay, wait, wait, wait a second, start over, do this. But on Skype, you know, because of the delay, because of the disconnect and sometimes because of the connection, I just kind of have to sit there for a minute and let them wrestle with it. And, uh, you know, and sometimes that leads to them figuring stuff out on their own. And and sometimes I do have to jump in and just be like, okay, let's, (laughs) let's reset. But yeah, it's just, it's led to a little bit more patience on my part, I think. Do you find that you've maybe adjusted how much of what you're doing with pad time versus kit time, or are you keeping that the same? In lessons? Yeah, in your lessons. I honestly don't do a whole lot of pad time with, with kids. Um, you know, I put rudiment sheets in front of them and their eyes glaze over. Um, and you know, so if, if, if there are major issues in their technique or if there's some, you know, specific sticking or movement that a rudiment can help with, I'll, I'll dive into that. But, um, I really try and keep them, you know, on the full drum set, learning beats, learning songs, you know, most of these kids, it's, it's an activity for them. If, right. there, there's a couple of them who are like super into it and I'm throwing a lot of technique at them and, and, and all that, but most of them just want to play songs. They just want to bash the drums. It's a musical version of soccer. Basically. Exactly. Exactly. With all that you're doing with teaching and on any of your drop-offs that you've had, have you noticed maybe a trend in age? Cause I know for me, the, the students that I've had that have dropped off and said, look, look I'll catch you when we're back in front of each other are generally older students. Hmm. And I think it has maybe something to do with the technology. But on your end, one, have you had any attrition? And two, have you noticed a trend with maybe what that might be the cause of that? No, the the couple students that have dropped have been the younger ones. Um, and like I've, 
I think my, my youngest student is like seven. Right. And his parents just kind of opted out of the virtual lessons because he's, I, I don't think he would be able to dial in. <laughs> right, right. It probably requires more of them during the entire lesson time. Yes, definitely. In that situation. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't, um, I haven't really lost many students and the adult students that I had uh, have stayed. You know, one of them's a web designer. She's super tech savvy. And, oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there hasn't really been an age correlation with, um, with the drop-off. You know, I ha- fortunately have had very few drop-offs uh, to begin with. Good. That's, that's good to hear. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird because, you know, 2019 was, was my busiest year to date. It mm-hmm. was my most lucrative year to date. Um, but I was starting to look at like, you know, I've been in Atlanta four and a half years at this point and I was starting to like at the end of 2019, I was starting to look ahead and try start thinking about, you know, how could I put myself in a position for, uh, for more gigs, for better gigs, better paying gigs, more touring gigs. Um, because that, that weekly sort of schedule that I had, um, was, you know, it was sustainable. It was paying the bills. I I liked playing with Ruby Bell and the Sulfonics. I liked playing Emerald Empire gigs, but, you know, I was looking around at, at other gigs, uh, that, you know, specifically gigs that come out of Atlanta and, uh, just starting to think about like, I, I want to land something or some things, uh, that get me out of teaching, um, or that get me out of that church gig. Um, and you know, you and I did the same church gig. You were, you were running the board on that. And that's a perfectly enjoyable church gig, but not having to get up at six every Sunday morning would, would be awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree there. And and I was definitely in the same position where even though that was a nice steady paycheck every single week that I could count on, I'd, I'd really started thinking too about, all right, so how do I maybe take some of the things that are income streams now, maybe scale them up so that. For no other reason than I could sleep late one day a week, yep, and yep. not have have that responsibility of you know being up at five o'clock in the morning and getting there and doing the things I had to do, I could yeah. kind of relax a little. It's for real, yeah. At the beginning of this year, I was starting to do a lot of legwork um, to you know kind of like reengaging in the process I went through when I first moved to Atlanta, which is just going out as much as possible, hanging with people, meeting people creating new relationships, reinforcing old relationships. Um, because, you know, I had, I had just kind of had my head, uh, underwater, uh, with, um, you know, like Emerald Ruby teaching, Emerald Ruby teaching church, Emer- you know, <laughs> yeah. um, so I wanted to kind of stick my head up again and just make people aware that like, Hey, I'm, I'm available for cool shit. I hope you think of me when you need a drummer for cool shit. Right. Um, so yeah, at the beginning of the year, I had kind of, you know, I was in that mind frame, you know, it, it came out of not, not a frustration with my current situation, but just kind of a complacency. I was like, well, I could just be in this rotation of, teaching and corporate gigs for a long time, but I want to do bigger, better, cooler gigs right. and get out of the teaching, get out of the church. And the teaching and the church is like all the income I've had for <laughs> the last six weeks. Yeah. Um, so the fact that, you know, what I was working towards, what I was wanting didn't quite come to fruition in time, uh, ended up 
being a just a blessing in disguise because you know we we both know people who were touring constantly and whose income was 100% performance based yeah and when this hit you know they're in very rough shape so you know i'm i'm not in great shape but the fact that i got some church money and still have some teaching money coming in um is is amazing i don't think the church money is coming in anymore we did a few sort of you know remote pre-recorded to be streamed later services which uh was you know of course some some great income to just put away and but i think that's that's going to be over now so let's shift over to that and we'll put a pin in the technology stuff Mm -hmm. with with the gigs whether it's the sunday gigs or things that you had on the calendar how much of your stuff dropped out uh all of it yeah <laughs> you know like yeah. uh i was in nashville doing a a gig with uh this jazz pianist i spent like a week in nashville and the the last gig i did with him was the last public gig i played wow um, almost a month ago Jeez. um so yeah and so it you know it's not like i i didn't have a, like a whole lot of stuff on the books um to begin with because you didn't have a whole summer tour where you right, were right right like i had yeah. i had some emerald gigs booked um there was some ruby stuff booked all of which is gone now obviously i had a private gig in in florida with uh, my buddies casey and ty who do this surf rock thing um so yeah i i had gigs here and there that were kind of the you know um just the money making things that we're going to be coming up and, and those are gone. But yeah, like you said, I didn't have a six week tour right. <laughs> uh, that just, that just went away. So, you know, now um, I, I still have some gigs on the books for like June, uh, which who knows what's going to happen there. I kind of doubt they're going to happen, but, but we'll see. And, you know, there's Emerald empire books, you know, up to a year out. So, so spring and fall are always the busy times. There's going to be more fall stuff, but uh you hope that some of the things that maybe got moved off the books get moved to later. Like I know I had maybe a half a dozen weddings that they didn't cancel them, but they just moved them till later in the year. Right. And who knows if I'll be able to do them. I think there's going to be a massive gig shuffle where a bunch of stuff that was supposed to happen in the spring and summer gets rescheduled to the fall or the winter or the following spring or something. And then it is going to conflict with stuff that we already had booked for yep. that future time. Right. So it's going to be subs galore. Um, and I think, you know, I think that'll benefit some, some players. Well, there's definitely an opportunity there. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got connections, if people already know what you do, uh, they know that you can cover whatever that particular song list looks like and, and, and drive the bus for a few hours. There's mm-hmm. definitely opportunity. And I, I guess that's the, the point to get to is, are you seeing opportunity in this? Yes, um, but it's dependent on just a great unknown factor, which is how long of a tail the economic situation has. Yeah. Um, you know, of, uh, of course, on paper, there's huge opportunity uh, for, you know, like I said, just kind of the shuffling of, of drum chairs and, and people – uh, getting to sub either temporarily or just kind of becoming the new guy for a gig. But that's dependent on the gigs actually happening. Like if the health situation allows <laughs> for gigs yeah. to happen, um, that's one thing. But uh, the people paying for the gigs 
might not have the money for it anymore. Like we might be allowed to gather in, <laughs> in groups as you yeah. do at gigs. But if, uh, you know, if music venues have closed down or if promotion companies have gone under or festivals have gone broke, you know, that's, that's the big unknown. So yes and no, like there, there could be a, a lot of opportunity, but not if, if the economy is in the tank. <laughs> right. Well, one of the things I realized as I was looking at everything for me, and I was pretty confident because I had, you know, five, six, seven different income streams that if one of them dried up or, or two or three of them dried up, there'd always be something. But to have everything dry up all at once, mm -hmm. for me, it, it called to my attention that even though I had multiple income streams, they were all tied into the same industry, into the same skills, into the same everything even yeah. though to me they looked different mm -hmm. at their core they they weren't they were all tied to the same root are there are there any things about this situation this issue we're having have has it caused you to relook at what you're doing and maybe think about how to maybe make yourself bulletproof going forward uh not really like i know i'm i know i'm not bulletproof <laughs> It's, you know, you know, I play drums, I teach, I write. And like you, those are all kind of connected to the same industry. And, you know, rather than like when you say make yourself bulletproof, do you mean, do you mean get good at something that's kind of recession proof that doesn't have anything to do with the entertainment industry that. Right. Or take, or maybe like you were talking about writing, have, have you thought about the opportunities that where you could take that skill and maybe move it towards an industry that wouldn't be affected necessarily by what's going on right now? Well, I, I mean, I can't think of anything that isn't affected by what's going on right now. No matter what job you do, no matter what you're good at, it's dependent on people spending money on it. Right. And if nobody is if, like, if people are either afraid to spend the money they have, or if they don't have any money to spend, then no line of work is bulletproof. So I've just been thinking about putting myself in a position to, you know, like, like you just having more ways to use what I'm good at to make money. Right. Um, so if, if we're heading towards an era that is based more on recording and tracking and, and just, you know, all things digital, then I have to get my shit together in that regard, because it's been a huge deficiency in my knowledge and in, in my experience for, you know, most of my career, I've been a live player. So, you know, if I can get this room together, if I can get some good sounds coming out of here, if I can create a lane for myself in the market of online digital recording, you know, whether it's um, air gigs or, or sound better or whatever, that's kind of what I'm thinking about. And that, that comes with a whole other challenge of like that market is going to be flooded. How do you set yourself apart there? Right. Um, but I think at this point it's, you know, <laughs> starting, starting a new career is, is uh, not, <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah. Not an know? option. Yeah, my, my wife and I joke and she, you know, she's, she has always been super supportive of what I do and has never asked me to do anything else. But, uh, you know, she gives me shit. She's like, what, what are you going to do? You're going to go to like real estate school? No way. You're just, you're, you can't do that. You're not going to, you're going to hate that. Um, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. I am. Yeah. Uh, so she said, um, 
you know, when at the end of last year, we were focusing on, you know, both just doing as much work as possible, like finding as as many streams of income from what we do as possible. And, and in addition to her full-time job, she's done like some consulting stuff in her field, mm-hmm. has been making some extra money. And, you know, I, I had this talk with her. I was like, you know, since you're doing this extra work, like I'm doing all the teaching and playing that I can but I still have some free hours in my week. And I said, since you're doing all this extra work, you would be perfectly within your rights to tell me like any, any hour that you're not teaching or gigging, like you got to go drive lift or something like if, or clean some gutters or lawn or, (laughs) well, and that's what she said. She was like, I don't need you to drive lift. I just need you to keep doing what you've been doing with those hours, which is like taking care of the house, cooking, shopping, yeah. you know, all that stuff. She said, uh, you know, I am super busy and stressed out and, and a little bit miserable. And if, if both of us are super busy and stressed out yeah. and miserable, this is going to be bad. So yeah, that's kind of a running joke in our house about like, you know, what are you going to do? Go back to school. You're going to become an accountant. Well, you know, <laughs> you're a drummer. That's just be a drummer. So, uh, so I'm, I'm really lucky and, and grateful in that regard to have a, a partner who, you know, she, she holds me to account to, do all that I can in my field, you know, be, be as good a drummer as I can be as busy a drummer as I can be. But she has never said, you know, like maybe something other than drums needs to be happening here. (laughs) That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know for me, I definitely found myself doing things that are uh, a little bit more out of character. Not, Not that I don't help out around the house. I mean, you know, I mow my own lawn and, weed and stuff like that but i've definitely been up on ladders cleaning out gutters Mm -hmm. and uh like i'm looking around the house now going all right well we've got in our living room we've got almost a three-story vaulted ceiling there's a lot of cobwebs up there and i I bet i bet it would be a nice gesture if i found a way to get up there and clean those cobwebs yeah and uh and uh, like like you said just trying to be more of a help with with things that are re- what I call regular people stuff. Things, oh yeah, things that I definitely tend to f- totally forget about. Yep, because totally. If I'm not actually doing the thing that I'm getting paid to do, my mind is constantly working on well, what else can I be doing with the resources that I've got, the knowledge that I've got, the tools I've got. You know, we we spent the last two weeks basically rewiring the upstairs and the downstairs to. Uh, have have cameras wired in and uh, instead of wireless and mm-hmm. be able to do more with web streams and all this. But at the same time, it's the stress of all the things that need to get done is readily apparent because I'm here all the time. Right. If, if, um, if I'm gone or if I'm here, but I'm totally engrossed in something that pays, I've got an excuse to not worry about, well, why is the grass, you know, two feet high at this point. Sure. And, and if you're totally engrossed in things that pay, then maybe you have the money to pay someone to mow your fucking grass. <laughs> but, right. Which, but now we have like, we have some hours free. So we like, we don't have the money to hire a lawn care company. So let's just get out there and, and do it. Just like, like you said, finding ways to be productive, be useful, be helpful. You know, to me, it's not just a sort of a, a, a nice gesture or whatever. Like I don't do well if my environment is chaotic, right? whether that, whether that's in my room or in the kitchen or in the yard, like taking the time to just clean shit up, have shit, you know, kind of five by five and, and not a source of stress every time you look at it. Yeah. 
is is really worth a lot. It's worth the time that you put into it. My office is in that situation right now because things just have gotten put in there and stacked in there and are you know thrown in the floor there. And that's right now as as tidy as a lot of my other workspaces are. And in the house, you know, that one spot is completely chaotic and it it definitely is a source of of grief and to the point where I just have shut the door and just walk past a closed door and, and figure at some point I'll get. To yeah. It. Yeah. Well, my drum room, like before, before Corona, I had two drum sets in here, like side by side because I would teach in here on Thursdays. And one of the first things I did when, when, <laughs> like when we went into shelter in place, I tore down one of those drum sets yeah. and I just, you know, I rearranged the room, um, I was like, well, if I'm going to be in here a few months, then I'm going to create some space. I'm going to have room to move. And, and so it's, it's been really amazing to just kind of have this room to myself. Yeah. Um, and it's made me think about like, you know, if, and when I go back to teaching lessons in here, I am really thinking about trying to do it with one drum set. Just keep the room um, set like it is. Yep. Because it's uh, like, you can put two drum sets in here, but it's, it's not fun. Like it's not a place that I want to spend time. And that's been the other encouraging thing is like, you know, I've got, I've, we, we moved a desk in here. We moved this iMac in here. There's one drum set in here. Like this is a room I want to spend time in now. Right. You know, I want to start tracking drums. I want to be messing around on the computer and, um, you know, just like hanging out in here. So I, I really want to try and keep it that way. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's been a good time to, to, set and reset and and decide okay so going forward this is a place where i could do the things that i do and maybe encourage myself to do more of the things that i do and maybe do them even better than i've done mm -hmm. them in the past for sure mm -hmm. for sure um it, i've definitely thought about having more more dedicated spaces since especially with the studio downstairs um one of the biggest problems for me in like shooting video lessons is that we have to completely set the room for that. And then when I would have somebody come in to do a project, we have to break all that stuff down and get rid of all that stuff. And what it's allowed me to do at this point is decide, all right, is there a way I can set this room where I can put these things in place and maybe I don't have to move everything when somebody yep. finally does come back in? Can I leave 75% of this stuff up and yep. that way the reset is not nearly as intensive so i can keep a flow of uh, of totally. these other projects these these other mm -hmm. things that again in trying to for me in trying to be bulletproof it's thinking about how can i do something that scales uh, the, this drum site that I've, uh, teaching site i've been working on now for a long time is one of those things it's it's one of those avenues where i think okay well this could possibly scale if should something like this happen again, or should our industry not come back the way it should, because uh, having an asset like that where, okay, if I make some video lessons and put them up a few of them every month and either sell the lesson packs or have a subscription model or, or both, then mm -hmm. uh, maybe, maybe there's a way to broaden the base in terms of who I'm making things for or making opportunities for or engaging or, you know, just, just widening the customer base as much as anything. Right. That's something that I'm kind of really thinking about. I mean, you, you mentioned like, what, do you, what are you thinking about in terms of ways to, to make yourself bulletproof? And like I said, I don't, I don't think there's any such thing. 
But it's, you know, this time has made me lean into social media, try to form some new relationships there, try to reinforce old relationships, like the same thing I was trying to do in person before this all hit. Now, like I have the opportunity to kind of create a calling card with as far as the content that I'm putting out there, as far as the drumming and the music that's coming out of this room and give people insight and a feel for how it is to make music with me. Right. I've noticed that Um, you... you had more videos that you put up of you playing. Yeah. I mean, that's in the last few weeks, I've, I've just been kind of in, in the infancy of getting sounds out of this room and messing around on logic and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And I I'm, I'm trying to be intentional about the kind of drumming that I do Mm -hmm. in those videos and the kind of music that I put out there while, while people can't interact with me in person, that online presence that I have is going to be a really accurate and, and favorable representation of how I play and how it feels to make music with me. Right. So have there been any, any challenges for you or any new experiences for you in putting together that content? Oh God. I mean, well, start with iMovie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, I am not, I am not technologically inclined. Like there, there are some people who just like speak that language and can pick up any device or any app and just be able to dance with it immediately. Yeah. Um, it's it's always been a slow process for me. Whether it's you know creating an Instagram story or uh, you know gain staging or <laughs> <laughs> um, you know it's it's a lot of trial and error and it it takes a lot of time i mean jesus I, the last video i put up was with me playing along with charlie hunter mm-hmm. cuz charlie hunter is putting all this stuff out there just like everybody play everybody jump on so i did you know a minute and a half of content some grooving and some soloing and i won't even tell you how long it took me to <laughs> mix that and edit it and, and put the, you know, put the picture in picture thing on iMovie. Like I'm really kind of hunting around in the dark with some of this stuff, but you know, the difference between now and a few months ago, like right now, the amount of stuff I have to learn is huge and it's kind of intimidating, but, but now I'm, I'm finding it to be intimidating and motivating and inspiring and exciting. Whereas a few months ago, it was just intimidating. (laughs) You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get in the door with it. And then I just, I started watching, you know, shootout videos of different mics and stuff on YouTube and and something clicked. I think having the iMac in this room, getting this little mixer, you know, as, as rudimentary as it is, just getting a couple little pieces of gear and, and that switch in my brain it's, it's no longer conceptual, right? It's no longer hypothetical because before I had all that gear, I could have been spending time on YouTube and learning about mics and making notes and whatever. But if I couldn't actually try it out, I'm not that kind of person, (laughs) you know, who just like learns stuff for learning stuff's sake. So as you know, as soon as I actually had a couple little pieces of gear to start messing around, that's when I got the bug and, uh, and, you know, calling up people like you and Tony Terrebone and Vic Stafford and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, all the rest of the friends that I have who have been in this game for a while, you've all been super helpful and super supportive. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm at the, you know, toward the beginning of a, of a long, never-ending process. I mean, I'm sure it's just like playing drums. It's like you are never done learning shit. You right. never feel 100% good yeah. <laughs> about what you're putting out. And there's always another piece of gear to buy. There's always another technique to learn. But like I said, I've, I've been encouraged by the results I've gotten so far. You know, a, a, a few people who who I know and trust 
have said like, yeah, man, you're, you're getting good sounds out of there. I, I talked to um, my friend, Nick Mancini, who's a great vibraphone player in, in Los Angeles, a good friend of mine. And he's, he's, you know, he's been watching the stuff I've been putting up on Instagram and he said, yeah, like I listened to it with a good pair of headphones and, and the sound of it like reminded me of the sound of you playing next to me. Oh. Like it, it, it sounded like you. And I was like, well, shit. That, okay, great. I'll take that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So other than your Behringer mixer and, and your mics and stuff, what are some of the other tools that you've had to add on to be able to do what you're doing now, whether it's uh, reusing things in a different way or just buying stuff all, all new? Well, um, Logic is offering a free 90 day trial right now, which I am doing. I was always, I, I was already fairly competent with GarageBand mm-hmm. and I, I didn't, I wasn't aware that, that it was like literally the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a couple of months ago, a friend of mine told me like, yeah, once you get Logic, like it's, it's just like GarageBand. And I thought he meant kind of figur- figuratively, right. like if you can if you can get around GarageBand, you you won't have any trouble getting around Logic. But it's like it, it literally exactly the same thing. Like if um, you learn to operate one dishwasher, you can totally learn to operate another dishwasher. <laughs> right, right. So yeah, like just uh, hunting around the the different um, you know reverb and EQ and compression options in Logic is you know a big a big hill to climb. Like I said, I I just I don't have the money to buy a whole lot of gear right now. You know the the thing about this little mixer, I bought it to do the podcast. Like I, because before I was just doing a USB mic into GarageBand, and I was like, I got to step this up a little bit, get a little mixer. And I bought this mixer without realizing that it is only capable of one stereo out. Yeah. So when I started like recording drums with multiple mics, multiple meaning like three, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I, I discovered that like I, I can't mix or EQ any of it. Well, I can EQ it, but it's all one mix. Right, right. right. You just got a stereo blend of the mics that yes. you had live. So that is forcing me to really be intentional about the sound going in, whether it's mic placement or gain or levels or like that, that shit has to be worked out before I hit record. Um, And it's given me a really good understanding of like, you know, I would, I would just set up, I would set up all three mics and just play for a minute or two, trying to be super conscious of like playing how I usually play in a live situation in terms of mixing myself. Yeah. Right. I'm not smacking the shit out of any one limb. I'm just like playing. Right. And then I would listen back to it going through this mixer and realize like, oh, wow, the snare drum gain has to come way down or the, you know, so just using my own sort of physical muscle memory uh, as the yardstick and, and adjusting the stereo mix to that, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Has been has been educational. So yeah, just uh, um, it's there's so much to learn. There is so much to learn. Well, playing for playing for the microphones is definitely different than playing for the room. I mean, yeah. on a live gig because there's you've got a lot more, you've got a wider berth for what you can do in a room, and sometimes you you have to do things for a room that. Uh, that you'd never do in a studio situation. You know, maybe mm-hmm. you have to physically play the kick drum harder on a stage because 
it's not in the monitors and it's a big stage and you need to fill up more, you need to move more air around people. Yeah. But yeah. with the studio, it's, it's one of those things where once you learn what the mic's like, other than maybe bringing it up or bringing it down, it's, it's, um, it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, your setup especially uh, might, might make little changes to what you do, but by and large, like playing cymbals softer. Yeah. No matter what studio setup you're sitting in, whether it's three mics or 30 mics, that's, mm-hmm. that's a skill that being able to play the drums physically play them louder than the cymbals and yeah. do it with a consistency is something that no matter what the studio setup is, it's going to make the drum tracks sound better. Right. Right. Whereas live, eh, that might not matter as much, especially mm-hmm. if you've got, you know, a sound guy out front and microphones where he can manipulate the balance. Right. So there, it's also, it's also put a, a spotlight on my tuning game. Mm. Um, because I like everything just has to get muted. Like, yeah, (laughs) you know, I, in a live situation, you're usually tuning for the most projection, like the most life coming out of the drums, you know? Um, and, uh, since, since I started putting mics up in here, I've just been struggling with, you know, ring and hum, and uh yeah <laughs> all this all this shit that comes out of a drum that uh you know doesn't necessarily get noticed or doesn't really matter in a lot of live situations but you know in my little room here with a few mics i i put up a instagram post yesterday like thanking tony terabone for this room yep. um because that like this room just sounds so honest yeah. it's uh you know it it really lets me hear how I sound and how my drums really sound and how my cymbals really sound. So if there's, if there's some weird, you know, ring or hum or whatever happening, chances are it's, it's me or the drum, not the room. Right. Right. So I'm hearing all this stuff and I'm like, Jesus, there's, there is a lot of stuff coming out of this drum that needs to go away somehow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it, it definitely raises the issue of you can have, the most expensive drum set, you can have the most expensive mics, but if the room that you're in doesn't sound good, it has an overwhelmingly lopsided effect on the end product. Right. The room itself can actually take things that normally you go, well, I spent all this money on this really nice drum set. I spent these this money on these mics and I've taken all this time. And why does it still sound bad? Right. Well, the room has got to sound good as well. The room mm-hmm. is part of it. The, the way the room reacts to you yeah. is going to have a lot to do with the actual sound. And yeah, you're lucky though. You, you having somebody like, like Tony at your disposal, that's just a buddy that will help out with something like that. Mm-hmm. And somebody that really does know it's, it's not like you had a friend of yours that said, you know, man, we could throw a couple of mattresses up and I got a little extra <laughs> carpet. You want to staple it to the walls? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super fortunate and super grateful. Like the, you know, the, the treatment that Tony did in here is, is professional class. Like, you know, he, he did, he did room treatment for Sterling sound in Nashville. Um, like that guy came into my little bedroom here, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know? So it's been, like I said, encouraging, 
intimidating, inspiring, frustrating, and and this is just the beginning. So yeah, I'm I'm really focusing on just the sound of the drums. Like this room enables me, I don't have to fight it at all. So I can put all of my focus on the sound of the drums, the sound of my playing. And if I get that shit straight, I know this room is going to be honest about right, it. Right, right. That's a good place to be in for sure. Not everybody has yeah. that if they're just in a spare bedroom or they're in their garage or whatever that is. Right. Definitely something to think about for anybody that's listening is what are you doing in the room? Most of the time when people throw room treatments up, they're thinking that they're keeping the sound out of the world. And mm-hmm. unless you do something with construction, like room within a room construction, that's nearly impossible. Right. To try and keep all of that sound, especially if it's a smaller room, you know, the sound wants to get out of that room. Yeah. And uh, so you just got to make sure the treatments really are for what the inside of the room sounds like, not how much you're not bothering people outside. Right. And I've been fortunate in that regard, too, because this house is brick lined. Oh. Like it's not a it's not a 100 percent brick house, but it's just it has a layer of brick on the outside. Even before I really had any treatment in this room, um, I checked with the neighbors next door that are on this side of the house. I just said, uh, you know, it, like it's been it's been a habit of mine. Like anytime I move or anytime somebody moves next to me, like I just knock on the door and say, "Hey, I'm Zach. I'm a drummer. This is what I do for a living. I'm going to be playing, practicing, teaching, rehearsing in there. If you are ever hearing drums and you don't want to be, please call me." Don't call the cops. Here's my card. It's never a problem. So when I did that, the next door neighbors, I like, I, I kind of did the intro and, and I said, I'm just, I'm going to go play right now. So you can hear what it sounds like. And I came in here and just like beat the shit out of them for about five minutes. And I went back over and they were like, I, I didn't really hear anything. She, she was like, I could kind of hear it faintly when I was on that side of the house, but yeah, it's not a big deal. So like just the construction of the house itself, you know, keeps me from pissing off neighbors. Uh, so I was able to just focus on the inside of the room and, and how it sounds to me in here. Right. Um, and the other part of that was like, I have, I have two closets in here, both of which, uh, like one, one of them had like a regular swinging door and another one had kind of like a sliding door and Christina, my wife, uh, not for acoustic purposes, but for aesthetic purposes, she was like, these doors look like shit. Let's just, (laughs) let's get you some curtains. Let's get you some cool curtains that you can just put over these closets. And that actually helped the sound of the room too. Yeah. Um, so we put up some, some proper curtains, some over the, over the, uh, proper curtains over the closets, proper curtains over the one window that isn't covered up by a panel and a proper rug that covers most of the floor. Um, so, you know, if you don't have a Tony Terrebonne at your disposal, um, I think, you know, just (laughs) run into Walmart and getting yourself a rug and some curtains. (laughs) Yeah. We'll go a long way. It's a good start. It's a good start. And there there are resources. I normally have some trepidation with telling people to go to YouTube to to look for information because there's so much that's wrong. But there are a few places that you can get get to on YouTube that have some good information. The, the, The best ones are where they've shown you what they've done to a room. Right. Right. Uh, instead of just having somebody talk about, well, here's what you ought to do, and here's the thing that, po- that could be possible. It's if if you're watching someone that takes a room from being a, a problem to actually getting it to a usable space, those are the best ones. 
mm-hmm. not that you can do exactly what they're doing, especially if they're buying, you know, prefabricated treatments, right? Uh, you know, RLX or whatever. And um, but if you're if you're looking at those and you can see and hear the results, then you can sort of work backwards, reverse engineer what they did. So that you yeah. can get something useful out of that video. Uh, otherwise, most of that stuff is, to me, is completely unusable because it's a lot of people that talk about things they don't know anything about. Right. And it's the same with like all the mic shootout videos I was watching. Not not all of them, but um, it just blew me away how how many videos we're like, you know, they did an overview of the mics. It's like, okay, today we're going to be comparing this, this one, this one, this one, that one, and this one. And they'll, you know, they'll tell you about the specs and, and uh, they obviously know about the mics. And then you get kind of excited. You're like, oh man, this is going to be cool. These are some great mics. I can't wait to hear. And then they're like, okay, let's see how these mics sound with these shitty drums and this <laughs> shitty drummer in this shitty room. Exactly. And I'm like, man. <laughs> Yeah. I don't want any of those mics now. Right, right, right. Garbage <laughs> in, garbage out, definitely. Right, right. It, it is, it, it's really uh, surprising to me. And there's a whole discussion we can have here, too. Of And there are some that have um, a large number of subscribers or followers to where um, maybe there's some value there. But the fact that someone just regularly shows up to put something up online uh, allows them the ability to have all these people that watch or listen or uh, engage what they're doing. And as someone who does this day in, day out, week in, week out, and has done it for decades, I look at that and I go, no, number one, that guy's an awful player. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and, and there, there are some people that have pretty sizable followings that I look at that and I go, I know that they're, uh, their intent is to get people inspired about playing the drums. You know, kudos to you for doing that, but you're also putting a really bad example of what it's what it means to play drums. Right. Well it, I mean, it's just we've people. talked about it before. It's the drumming business versus the music business. Yeah. Some people are in the drumming business and and good on them. They're getting a lot of people inspired about drums and and whether those people end up being professionals or just weekend warriors. You know, they're selling gear. They're uh, you know, just keeping the, the, uh, drum industry machinery going. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to actually making music or actually making a living in the music business, um, it's a different set of skills. It's a different kind of drumming. It's a different, uh, you know, set of people (laughs) a lot of the time. Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I try not to, you know, begrudge anyone there, their space in the, uh, in the virtual world or social media or whatever. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's made me think about my social media presence. I mean, like I said earlier, I want it to be a reflection of how it feels to play with me. Um, I, and I remember talking with you about, about, you know, valuing quality over quantity, in terms of your yeah. social media presence, both in the number of followers you have and the types of interactions you have. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to cultivate, I mean, obviously we all want more followers. We want to be in front of as many eyeballs as possible, but I'm, I'm trying to put, uh, you know, honest representations of myself out there and, and use them to uh, create some kind of meaningful, interaction, you know, that's, that's more than, 
um, the the fire emoji. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I appreciate the fire emoji. I, you know, it's it's always nice. Sure. But you know, if you can actually just like start a little bit of a conversation about they have a question for you, you got a question for them. Uh, you know, if when when we all go back to going out in public, you know, maybe you DM them and say like. Hey, where are you playing next? Or like, Hey, I'm playing Friday. You want to come check it out? Like, um, yeah. just using it, using it as a jumping off point, not, not the, the end point. That, that's one of the more positive things I've definitely seen about this whole, uh, quarantine sequestration sort of thing where more people are making opportunities for other people to play. You were talking about doing the stuff with the Charlie mm-hmm. Hunter clips, there's more people that are putting things out right. where it's open-ended. It's not, hey, watch me do this mm-hmm. thing. It's, hey, here's here's something for you to try and do something with. Let's see, let's see what you can add to this conversation, whether it's a, a, a bass line or your drum grooves or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. And it seems like there's a lot more creativity that's being put on display mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Because of those collaborations, just informal collaborations, just throw this out to the world and see what right. comes back. Yeah. And, and so in creating your content, are, are you thinking at all about that, about how can I create something, start, start something that maybe uh, other people latch onto and they, they engage as well. Um, yeah. At this point I'm, I'm more reacting than creating. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I see something cool that I want to play along with. I use that. Um, I know, you know, other people like Charlie Hunter and our, our buddy Kevin Leon um, are, are putting out like the first thing, you know, it's like, here's a thing yeah. you play with it. Um, right now I'm at the stage where it's like, you play with it, Zach. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so, uh, so yeah, I mean, having like, I've always been a player where like having some parameters puts me in a better headspace. Like if, if I'm, if I'm just on my own to like come up with something, I don't enjoy that headspace as, as much as when I see something or hear something and, and get an idea of what I want to do with it or for it. Right. And I, like, I've, I've always been a sideman in that way. I've, I've never been, you know, one of the creators. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and this, you know, is definitely an opportunity to become more of a creator. And especially if I want to be intentional about the kind of music I want to play, the kind of drumming I want to do, the kind of thing I want to be known for, then it, it would probably behoove me to, um, to be more of an originator in that sense. Yeah. But, you know, the, the flip side of that coin is, if if you gain a reputation as a ready and willing collaborator you know i think i think that's just as valuable to you know to the creators to people like um like prisca or um you know the ruby vells and the uh ansley stewarts yeah. and the uh the rick lawlers and, oh, yeah. and you know the people the people who are, are just creating all the time um, you know, they need people like us too. Um, right, right. Without saying it, you're sort of putting yourself in the role that you wish to be in in the real world. Yeah. So you've got you got people that are the artists that they they are those throw that out there first, and without saying, hey, you know, I, I make a great side man. Mm-hmm. You're sort of demonstrating, uh, you know, by by 
a practical example. Here's what here's what it would be like for for you if I came into this conversation, musical conversation. Right. right. And it's a like you almost don't need an invitation on social media. Yeah. You know, like the same way you like you you need an invitation to get hired to go into the studio and play on someone's record. But right. if someone puts up a song and you just like grab it off Instagram with a screen recording and do something with the song, even like even if you don't post, it might be a little presumptuous of you to just post it yourself. <laughs> um, but if yeah. you just like DM it to them, say like really dug your song, here's here's what I did with it. Like let's do something else. Um, that's something that you can just do. You don't need to wait for the phone to ring for that to happen. Right. Um, so that's been inspiring. That's been sort of motivating. And like I said, with the parameters, like I'm, I'm learning how to use this room, right? I'm learning how to use these, these mics and the DAW and, and all this shit. So if I'm trying to tailor my drum sound and my drum part and the EQ and the compression, all that, I mean, if like, if I have a target to hit in terms of putting my sound, like tailoring my sound so that it goes with this thing, and and trusting my judgment in that regard for me that's a better place to be right now than just starting from scratch by myself and saying like okay what kind of sound do i want to go for today right. <laughs> right you know other people find that like inspiring and just limitless and whatever and it is but for me like having a target to hit having kind of a, a little assignment to fulfill sonically for me is a better way to um go through this process of, of educating myself about how to get sounds out of here. Sure. Sure. Well, let's, let's think about, um, let's say it's six months into the future or 12 months into the future and whatever ripples from all of this have fully extended. What would be your ideal in terms of what you, what you're doing week to week, uh, maybe the effects of, the things that you've put out in the world and the work that you've done, what, what would be your ideal 12 months? Um, well, let's just start with this room. Uh, I, I want to have high quality professional recordings coming out of this room in, in a year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, stuff that I would feel comfortable sending someone to put on their record, not just stuff that yeah. I would feel comfortable posting on Instagram. Um, and that's going to take, a little more gear, a little more know-how. Um, but I think it's, it's definitely attainable in that time. And I, you know, I'm kind of setting the bar low <laughs> as far as this room goes, as far as the gear goes. Like I, I, I don't, the, the, the lane that I envision creating for myself is, um, just a very natural user-friendly drum sound that might not even involve Tom mics. Like I find it inspiring to really get good at kick snare two overheads. Um, right. and you know, how many great records have been done with that or less? A ton. Yeah. A ton. So, so that's kind of what I want to focus on for this room in the next year. Um, teaching wise, uh, it'll probably take more than a year, but I like, I've, I've found that I enjoy teaching more than I used to, mm -hmm. but I enjoy teaching adult students. I enjoy teaching intermediate or advanced students. Um, there's, there's some people that just love teaching little kids, um, and good on them. I am not that guy. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would like basically quality over quantity <laughs> in terms of my teaching life. Right, right, right. Um, 
And, you know, that might involve teaching at the university level someday. I, I don't know. Um, probably not in the next year, but as, you know, as far as teaching goes, I, I'm, I'm happy to just have this, the status quo right now. Um, right. but I'm, I'm really thinking about cultivating a smaller, more advanced body of students. So like a high intermediate to, to advanced yeah. player, somebody that's real, real serious about yeah. what they're doing. You can get into real meaty right, stuff. Right. And talking about music, like I, I could give a shit about chops. Like I, I find myself right. inspired in a lesson when I'm talking to a student about like how to really make music on the drums, whether it's, you know, a, a kind of music that, that they're into or something that they've asked me suggestions for, um, and that has to do with movement that has to do with tone, um, that has to do with, you know, instrument selection and, and, and all that kind of thing. That's, that's really what inspires me. So if I, if I can spend more of my teaching life talking about that kind of thing, um, you know, the more of that, the better. Um, and as far as live playing, like, you know, like I said, it, it was, it was kind of my, my goal to set my sights on, um, some bigger gigs and more touring. And, and I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm honestly not super confident that that's going to be in the cards for many of us a year from now. Right. But who knows? I like, I think I'm, I'm just trying to continue the process of putting myself in the com in more conversations so that when those drum chairs open up or when those tours get booked, I'm in the conversation for that. Whereas I think a year ago, if, if people thought of me, they were like, well, he seems pretty tied up with Emerald and Ruby and teaching. So yeah, probably not. That guy's sit. Right. And I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen with uh, Ruby Vell and the Sulfonics. Um, you know, before coronavirus hit, they really didn't have a whole lot of gigs booked in 2020. We were going to play 420 Fest, which was going to be super cool, but that's out. And, you know, everybody, everybody in that band has a lot of other stuff going on. So I don't know if um, that band will kind of get revved up again after, after things return to whatever normal is going to be, even if it's still going, it's, it's not busy enough that I, um, can't, you know, pursue basically whatever else I want. <laughs> um, sure, sure. Wedge plenty of other things. Right. Right. That. So, yeah, you know, I, before Corona hit, I, I had hoped to, uh, you know, be, be booking some, some tours or something, uh, something bigger, something better. Uh, by the end of the year, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm I'm kind of settling into a long game mentality of of just cultivating those opportunities and and you know whereas whereas I was trying to cultivate those opportunities to come to fruition in six months, you know it we might be looking at five years here. <laughs> right, right. Um, and I'm okay with that, but it 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 behooves me even more to stay motivated and just stay on it stay persistent. Well, playing the long game is a smart position. Not, not that for people that are lifers that are, this is their career path and they're not going anywhere else. I mean, you, you almost have to think that way because um, it allows you a little bit more leeway uh, going forward in terms of what you can do instead of thinking, well, if I do these three things over the next two months, I'm going to win that tour. I'm going to get that spot I'm looking for. This allows you the ability to think longer term and maybe craft something that is is more sustainable, that has more of you, that really is you have more say. Sure. About. Yeah. And and you know, kind of being prepared 
being more prepared for the peaks and valleys and when you have to do the legwork and so that that plateau doesn't like take you by surprise. I, about six months ago, I was, my wife and I were hiking and we were having this conversation about until then, like un, until the end of 2019, you know, I, I was looking around in 2019. I was like, well, you know, I can always do the Emerald thing, but like Ruby doesn't have a whole lot booked in 2020. And, you know, I could just keep teaching, but I don't really want to. So like, I'm going to have to, you know, put my foot on the gas again. And until then, every new chapter in my career had been started by a move. Right. I moved to Kansas city to go to grad school. I graduated. I spent time there. I moved to LA, uh, did a bunch of work there, got married. We moved to Atlanta. Like each one of those was a new chapter. And I realized that I was going to now have to start a new chapter in my career without moving. Right. And, and I, it kind of dawned on me that like, oh, this is how the rest of my life is going to be. Like (laughs) there's like every once in a while, there's going to come this period where you're going to look around and be like, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? Yeah. (laughs) And, and, you know, before you were just like, well, I'll move, but now I have to do it in Atlanta without moving. Um, so this period of, you know, dormancy, I think is, is training me to just like stay engaged and play the long game and be aware that there are going to be times when uh, you're kind of cruising and times when you have to like really put your foot on the gas, but you, you, you never just get to hang out. Well, man, I, I appreciate you taking the time yeah, to talk Yeah, thanks to for me. having me do it, man. And, uh, and people can find out more about you and, and engage more of your stuff, obviously by uh, going to the Working Drummer podcast site or, or subscribing in whatever their right. favorite podcast app is. But if they wanted to follow you on social media and see the things that you're doing and and know more about you as a player, where would they get all Well, my stuff? Instagram is at Zach Albetta, Z-A-C-K dot A-L-B-E-T-T-A. I'm the only Zach Albetta in the world. So like if you search Zach Albetta, you'll you'll find my shit. Uh, you can also go to ZachAlbetta.com. Obviously, there's no gigs updated there at this time but there's samples of my writing there's some video there's more samples of my playing yeah the instagram is kind of my main platform um i i have never done twitter i've never understood it uh and i think it would just piss me off (laughs) i do have a i do have a facebook page i also have a facebook music page which i've started to re-engage with yeah if you just if you search Zach Albetta, you will you will find all of those things. And Zach's a great writer too. He he's written a, a, a great bio for me. He's you've written bios for a lot of other yeah, people. Yeah, that's that's one of my side hustles. If if uh, during this time you're you're putting your EPK together or your website or whatever, hit me up. I can write I can write a bio from two sentences to two pages. There yeah. you go. And I want to I want to thank you on on that score because when I moved to Atlanta, I think you were the first guy that hired me to do any writing and you hired me to do a shitload of writing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in addition to having me uh do this little talk, I you've you've just always been super supportive of of me and and helping me out whether it's with gear or or work or recommendations or or any of that. So, so super grateful to you, man. Oh man, you're welcome. I, it, it's it's been good that the the several years we've known each other. It's, it's been cool to be able to bounce things back and forth and and get opportunities uh, headed your way and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Appreciate so, you, man. man. That that's the way it's supposed to be, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Cool. Well, uh, like I said, thanks so much for for talking to me, and uh, hopefully, I'll see you again soon. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> cool, man. Right on. Later. So 
So there you have it. There's Zach Albetta. I certainly appreciate him for taking so much time to talk with me today. And I appreciate you for being here and having this conversation with us about so many different things. Uh, Before I get out of here, I want to make sure to remind you to hit the sponsor's website, sessionace.com, for some of the most amazing tools that you could possibly ever want to use, whether it's in-ear monitors, studio microphones. There's a full complement of stuff there. They quite literally are remarkable tools for musical craftsmen. And I would appreciate it if you would go to sessionace.com to check out all that they have to offer. That's all I got for you this week. Next week, we're going to have Zach come back and do a part two. We're going to catch up. may not be quite as long an interview, but we'll catch up with him. And I may have another special treat for you. I cannot wait until uh, I see you again and we get a chance to talk. So until next time, have a great week. Have a very Merry Christmas because it's uh, it's almost that time. And uh, if you're not a Christmas person, uh, happy Hanukkah, happy Kwanzaa, happy whatever it is that you like to celebrate. Uh, gift-giving day with lots of food that uh, you're going to have to sleep off or, or go to the gym or work off or do something with. So anyway, uh, thanks so much. And I will see you again when I see you. Thanks for listening.